going to jump into the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, and uh, to be honest with you, I was going to skip over Acts chapter 11 because half of the chapter or more is just a retelling of the events that took place in Acts chapter 10, and so I was going to just jump to Acts chapter 12, and then the Lord uh, changed my mind on that, so we're going to do the end of chapter 11 today. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. I want to preach to you for just a little bit about the life-changing power of the gospel. The life-changing power of the gospel. Now I'm going to run through this fairly quick, but as as I read this text, as I mentioned, I was... I was captivated, and I've read through the book of Acts numerous times. It's, uh, as an apostolic Pentecostal, it is the primary book that we go to for our teaching and practice and understanding what the early church did and understanding uh, that how the church should operate and understanding how people are saved and seeing the, the spread of the gospel and seeing revival. And so I've read this numerous times, but when I read it, beginning of this past week, actually on Sunday afternoon as I was reading through, or Sunday night I was reading through it and I was struck by a number of things about this text and ultimately the the conclusion is this, is that the gospel has the power to change anyone. And, And because it has the power to change anyone, to change any life, that we must share it with everyone. That our responsibility as Christians is to share the gospel with everybody we meet. That we are not to determine or uh, have a preconceived idea of what people are going to do and how they're going to respond to the gospel, but share it with everyone because it can change anyone. And aren't you thankful that the gospel of Jesus Christ, somebody shared it with you and you were touched by the gospel and, and you have had the gospel of Jesus Christ transform your life. Anybody thankful for that? I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. 
Where would I be if it was not for the gospel of Jesus Christ? If it was not for the grace of Jesus Christ, where would I be? And I would tell you that I wouldn't be here. If somebody hadn't witnessed to my grandparents in the early 1950s, I wouldn't be here today. And if they hadn't raised their kids in church and around church, I wouldn't be here today. But because of the grace of God and because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change a life. In fact, my grandfather, from, a, from an early age, he actually, back in the oh, 30s, 40s, probably I guess the 30s, late 30s, he was, he was quite a singer and a musician. At the age of 13, he was on the radio singing and playing. A lot of talent. But things changed. He, World War II came along. and He was a medic in the military. His best friend died in his arms on one of the Pacific Islands as the, the Japanese bombed them. and It changed him. And after the war, I mean, he was, he was always looking for a fight. He would be in the bars and people would... My dad would tell me the stories he would hear of, of just fighting just for the fun of it. A lot of issues, but then when the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he came into contact with the gospel, it changed his life. And going from fighting in the bars to becoming a preacher of the gospel, sharing it with others. And it changed the destiny, the eternal uh, destination of his family because the gospel changed him. What I want to look at is this, six ways in this text that the gospel has changed people and that it does change people. The first thing is this, is that the gospel changes prejudice to impartial. Prejudice to impartial. Verse 19 says, Now those who were scattered abroad because of the persecution of, that arose over Stephen traveled around and traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch but they only spoke to the Jews. If you remember, Stephen persecuted and put to death in chapter 7 of Acts, and because of that, a great persecution arose on the church in Jerusalem. So these people who had been born and raised in the area of Jerusalem and in the area of Judea, they, they began to scatter because of the persecution that was coming upon them. Primarily, it was a persecution of the Jews. Rome was not involved in the persecution at this point. The Jewish people were grandfathered in where they were allowed to worship their God as they saw fit. They had a grandfather clause. They didn't have to worship the emperor. They didn't have to worship all the many gods of Rome. And so as they were traveling, as they were fleeing the persecution, they kept that prejudiced viewpoint where they would only talk to Jews about the gospel. They would only preach the gospel to fellow Jews. But our text tells us that even though these people from Jerusalem, they were only preaching to Jews, there were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene that, that as the Jews came, that these other people who were primarily Jews as well, but they had been living in other lands. They had not been living in the area of Jerusalem they had been living among the Gentiles. They had been rubbing shoulders with the Gentiles. They had been doing business with the Gentiles. They had been going to the market with the Gentiles. 
that because of their interaction with Gentiles and, and now that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, it had been documented that the Gentiles could receive the Spirit as well as we saw in Acts chapter 10. That these people that weren't raised in Jerusalem, weren't raised in Judea, they began to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That the Jews initially were like, no, only Jews can be saved. But what I would tell you is this, when you really get a hold of the gospel, or when the gospel really gets a hold of you, it will change prejudice to impartial. And you will see everybody as a candidate, an equal candidate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Peter said in Acts chapter 10, I perceive that all who call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. That God is no respecter of persons. And if God is no respecter of persons, we should not be a respecter of persons. That it doesn't matter the, the socioeconomic background, it doesn't matter the ethnicity, it doesn't matter... Well, where you come from, everybody is a candidate for the gospel. I have seen, I, I was raised in the South, Louisiana to be specific. And, and I, throughout my childhood and my teen years, saw an incredible amount of prejudice and racism. From people who would suppose are supposed to be changed by the gospel. But they were raised in a culture of, of racism and a culture of prejudice. What I would tell you though, is when the gospel really gets a hold of you, it will break down every wall of division. That when you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, and what you, when you understand that what Jesus Christ has done for the whole world, that it doesn't matter skin color, it doesn't matter gender, it doesn't matter how much they make, it doesn't matter how different they are from you, everybody is a candidate for the gospel. And everybody should have the gospel shared to them. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and... I don't remember the exact name of the book. Former NFL player who's now a pastor. And, and he wrote a book about basically racial division and how do we get past that. And he's an African American. And, and I was moved by a number of the things that he said in this podcast. The reality is that we still live in a world that is divisive and a, a world that puts people in boxes and a world that, that stereotypes. But when we let the gospel change us, it is God's plan that the gospel would change us from prejudice to impartial. I've got to hurry. Secondly, the gospel changes the lost to saved. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch and when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That Barnabas, who is a Jew, when he comes to Antioch and he sees the work of God in their lives and he's seen that the Gentiles who were lost are now saved. He, specifically, the text says he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful. 
the gospel will take those who are lost and on their way to hell and it will change them to people who are saved and on their way to heaven. And I would tell you this, that it is not enough to start on the journey, but we must finish the journey. He uses, the writer, under the inspiration of the Spirit, uses the word that Barnabas exhorted them to remain faithful. Which means it is possible to not remain faithful. And that if you are not faithful to the gospel, it's not going to take you to its intended destination. But the gospel will change us from lost to saved. Thirdly, the gospel changes the empty to full. Speaking of Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. When I read that, I was looking at this idea that he was a good man. The Bible doesn't use that phrase Hardly or if all about those who are not saved, but Barnabas was a good man. He who had been lost is now saved. He who had been empty is now full. That He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And the implication is this, that it's possible to not be full. If the assumption is, that the moment are, are because you are saved and because you're a follower of Jesus, you're automatically just full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And, and, and I don't want to go back over the past messages that I've preached. But even for those of us who have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we have been filled with the Spirit of God, it's possible for us not to be full of the Spirit. It's possible that that, that occurrence where we were filled before in essence, we are not full now. But it says of Barnabas, he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of faith. The gospel will change the empty to full. There is this idea, this implication in the, the book of Acts that you need to have a continual infilling of the Spirit. That it's not a one-time event and God filled you and that's the end of the story. Acts chapter 2, we hear, we see the apostles, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then Acts chapter 4, when they're praying again, after being persecuted, the Bible says the place was shaken where they were, and they were filled with the Spirit. It is an ongoing refilling of the Spirit, that you and I need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, not just a one-time experience, not that we can point to that and say, hey, I did this back then but an ongoing refilling with the Spirit of God. Some would tell you that you need that every day. I don't know that you have to have it every day, but it needs to be more than an annual event or an every three-year event or an every five-year event, but it needs to be an ongoing process as we surrender control of our lives, our minds, our hearts, everything to Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. And when you hear people speak in tongues in a service like this, the Bible says that they are edifying themselves. If there's no interpreter, then when they're speaking in tongues, they're edifying themselves. That means they're strengthening and building up themselves. And that should be an ongoing event. 
I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times when I like I need more of God. I need to be refilled. I need to be built up and edified by the Spirit. And I need to be full of faith. Barnabas was full of faith. Having faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we are full of faith. That we can have faith for our salvation, but we don't really trust Him to be with us in everyday life. As I've mentioned before, that we can have faith for our eternity, but we don't have faith for our present. We don't believe that God will work in us in the present. Which, oh, He'll take us to heaven. But I want to have faith right now. In fact, Luke 18, Jesus said this, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really Find faith on the earth. What Jesus is saying is when I come back, am I going to find people who have faith in me? Am I going to have people that are going to have faith that I can do anything, that nothing is impossible with me? Fourthly, the gospel changes me to we. Acts eleven twenty-five. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I'll come back to that Christian piece, but Barnabas, knowing of Saul, knowing about his conversion, and we last see Saul in the Acts chapter 9 where he has this great conversion experience and He immediately begins to preach the gospel and the church rejects him because they're not sure that they can trust him. They're not sure that he's faking it. They're not sure if he's going to just kind of infiltrate them and then they're going to be persecuted by him as he brings others in to persecute them. But Barnabas, who means son of encouragement, he's a person that's always looking out for others, wanting to help them, that he goes to... Tarsus to find Saul. It's some 85 miles as the crow flies on a direct line from Antioch in Syria to Tarsus where Paul or Saul lives. Much longer if you're having to go by roads and go around the natural landmarks. He's not taking a car, he's not taking a bus, he's not taking a train, he's not taking a plane. But he is walking 85 miles each way, probably closer to 100, to navigate the roads. To go to Tarsus to find somebody to help him preach the gospel. Partly because the people need help, but partly because he understands that he can't do it all. And I think partly he goes after Saul specifically Because he understands that Saul has been relegated back to his hometown. That nobody wants to hear him. Nobody wants to allow him to preach and teach. And he goes after him specifically. To bring him to Antioch where he can preach and teach the word of God. The gospel is not a one man show. We do the work of the kingdom together. I may be the one that's primarily up here preaching. But we do the work of the kingdom together. 
It's why I'm pushing the invite cards and pushing the who's your one is because I can't reach people that you can reach. There are people that you will see today that I will never see. There's people you will talk to today that I will never talk to. But they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and only you can reach them with the gospel. Paul would write this, that one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. And when Barnabas and Saul got together, there was a synergy that was formed and a great many people were brought to the faith. They discipled a whole lot of people. Let me ask you a question, non-spiritual. Is that wind bothering you guys? Are you doing okay out there? <laughs> if you're good, I'm good because I, I can keep talking over the top of it, but it's I'll just say this, I mean, I'm so thankful that God gave us this place, but he's got better things in store for us, and I'm anticipating this year God opening up a new door, and I'll share more about that with you, with you later. But the gospel, number five, the gospel changes pagans to Christians. They were first called Christians in Antioch. The end of verse 26, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. The people being taught in Antioch, they became disciples of Jesus Christ. They became followers of Jesus. Up until this time, they were idol worshipers. It was, there were no atheists in the first century. You worshiped idols. It's what you were taught from the time that you were born It's part of the culture. You were an idol worshiper. And on top of being an idol worshiper worshiper, that the emperor of Rome decided previously to this particular time, decided that they were also God and that they needed to be worshipped as God. And so the people in Antioch, they worshipped idols. They worshipped the emperor as the manifestation of a God. But now they're followers of Jesus. And no matter how bad a person is, as I mentioned before, the gospel can change any and every life. But these people who were raised offering sacrifices to idols and offering incense to idols, that every time something bad would happen, they would blame one of their gods and say, the God, we've, we've angered our God, we've angered this particular God, or we've angered that God, and we've got to offer a sacrifice or incense to the God to make them happy with us again. Now, they're following Jesus. Up until this particular point, primarily because the church was Jewish, that the majority, the vast majority of the people who were followers of Jesus, they were Jewish, they were called the people of the way. But here in Antioch, it changed. They weren't just called people of the way, but now they're called Christians because they're following Jesus Christ. The gospel changes pagans to Christians. No matter what kind of religious background, no matter whether you've been into the occult, no matter whether you've served idols, no matter whether you've been into witchcraft, it doesn't really matter when you run into Jesus Christ and you let the gospel take hold of your life. It will change you from a pagan to a Christian. 
It will change you into somebody who follows Jesus Christ. And lastly, the gospel changes materialistic to generous. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. We're in a culture where everybody looks out for number one. That everybody wants to take care of themselves. That everybody is putting themselves first, or at least the vast majority of those people. It's just part of our culture. It's part of the makeup. And part of that is because there is an innate selfishness among people that Paul would say this, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. We love ourselves. We want what's best for ourselves. We want to do what's right and best for us. And because of that innate selfishness, our current propensity toward materialism is vast. That we live in a culture where we're richer than the majority of the world. No matter how, you could be on food stamps or on welfare here in the state of Kansas, and still be wealthy compared to the majority of the world. And we want the latest iPhone and the, the latest Apple Watch or the latest gadget, the latest gizmo. Never satisfied. Always wanting more. And when you're wanting more, that means you have a tendency to hold on to your stuff. You're not going to give away your money because you've got something else you want to buy. Anybody relate to that? But when the gospel gets a hold of us and changes us, that the things of this world, the songs say, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glorious grace. That the things of this world shouldn't be what's all important, but the things of heaven should be what's important. Push aside my desire to buy stuff, but to help and to increase my desire to help others. Agabus, a prophet from Jerusalem, comes to Antioch and he prophesies that a famine is coming. And the Bible says here that it was fulfilled in the reign of Claudius. Claudius reigned from 41 to 54 A.D. So during that 13 to 14 year period where Claudius is emperor of Rome, this famine strikes the land. And because of the persecution in Jerusalem by the Jews that they weren't able to work like everybody else. They weren't able to participate in society like everybody else. Understand, it wasn't just you serve this God so you can do that on your own time or if we find out we'll persecute you. But no, you had to stay underground. You had to stay in hiding as they were ferreting out the people who were serving Jesus. These Antioch Christians, these disciples of Jesus determined to send an offering to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
One of the things that struck me about this is that they are primarily Gentiles. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. And if you remember at the beginning of this section of Scripture, the Jews weren't sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. But now that some shared the gospel with the Gentiles, the Gentiles aren't, aren't saying, well, they didn't even want to share the gospel with us. We're not helping them. But they said they have need in Jerusalem. So every person decided according to their ability to send an offering. That the gospel will change us from materialistic to generous. And I've got to close. The gospel changes prejudice to impartial. The gospel changes the lost to the saved, the empty to the full. Changes me to we. Changes pagans to Christians and changes materialistic to generous. The gospel has the power to change any life. But the lives of people who need to be changed, they can't be changed if we don't share the gospel with them. It can only change the life of a person who's heard the gospel, who's had the opportunity to respond to the gospel, who's had the opportunity to come to know who Jesus is. Because of that, our primary responsibility when the gospel has changed us is to share it with others so that they too can be changed some would say why do I need to change I'm happy as I am everything's going good and that may be true in the short term but there is an eternity to think about and your good times will run out there's only one way to heaven it is through Jesus Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it is the only way to heaven. Would you stand together with me? Mark chapter 4 tells us the parable of the sower and the seed. And when Jesus talks about this, it's one of the few parables where he, he breaks it all down and tells them exactly what it means. He tells them that the sower is like the preacher and the seed that's being sown, it is the Word of God. There are four types of ground. The first is the wayside ground. And he says, the wayside, it's when the seed is sown or people hear the Word of God, Satan will come in and he will steal that seed so that it can't take root in a person's life. Second type of ground is the stony ground. And he says that they receive the word of God with gladness. But it never really takes root in their lives. And so when some difficulty or trouble comes along, it causes them to turn away. The thorny ground, he says, 
course, has thorns. He says the seed is sown and, and it takes root, it begins to grow. But that materialism that I talked about, that selfishness that I talked about, he says this, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for things choke out the Word of God in a person's life. They started following Jesus. But the desire for money, the desire for things, choke it out. I could pause right there and tell you I've seen that over and over. People following Jesus decide to take a job where they miss church on Sunday or they miss midweek or oh it's just going to be for the next few months it's going to be whatever pretty soon you never see them again because they place the desire for money and the desire for things above a desire to be in his presence lastly Jesus says there is the good ground where people accept the word of God and it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So my two applications from this story is this. Don't judge the soil, just sow the seed. Don't predetermine whether somebody's going to be receptive. Don't, be, don't predetermine whether they're going to be a good Christian or not. Just sow the seed. And if the gospel takes root in their life, it can change anybody. My second application is this, to make sure that you are the good ground. By allowing the gospel to flourish in you and to change you. People are in all levels of maturity and all levels of being changed in this room. None of us are in the same place. Whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian all of your life since, since you were a child. I received the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. It'll be 39 years this November. The building's going to fall down before we're done. But just because it's been almost 39 years doesn't mean I'm where I need to be. But you could be a three-year-old saint and be more mature than me. But it's about letting the gospel of Jesus Christ change our lives. And it's about sharing it with others so the gospel of Jesus Christ can change others. My call to action today is this. To believe the Holy Spirit, or to believe the gospel, be changed by the gospel, and to share the gospel with everyone that you come in contact with. To let the gospel of Jesus Christ work in your heart and your life. Anybody want the gospel of Jesus Christ to work in you today? Jesus, come on, would you call upon him right now? Jesus, we love you. We magnify your name. We exalt you, Lord, because of who you are. God, we want to be changed and transformed by the gospel. God, we want to know you in a greater way. We want to be those people, Lord, that are changed from lost to saved and from empty to full and from pagans to Christians. 
from materialistic to generous. Lord, we want to be those who are everything that you've called us to be. God, we want to be the people that are sharing the gospel with everybody that we meet. We want to move from prejudice to impartial. Lord, where everybody's a candidate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we magnify your name today. We exalt you. We put our trust and our hope in you today, Jesus. We put our trust and our hope in you today, Jesus.